Go where you're celebrated, not tolerated. They need to treat you the way you deserve to be treated. And if they're not, they also can fuck off. Hi and welcome to Beauty from the Heart. This is a place where I, Rose Gallagher, am going to share conversations with some of the best people I've met through years of working in the beauty industry. This first series is dedicated to people that I think are inspiring positive change and using their voices for the power of good. Today I'm going to be joined by beauty industry expert Caroline Hirons. Caroline is the founder of an award-winning beauty blog. She consults for various brands within the industry. She's a skincare guest on This Morning. There's just so many strings to her bow. Um, Today we're going to be talking about her career from the beginning and also her various charitable contributions. So whether it's her Give and Make Up initiative, whether it's her work with the Eve Appeal, we're going to discuss everything and just all kinds of life topics along the way. If you know Caroline, she's a very passionate woman, so just to warn you, she does use a bit of choice language in this episode, but please don't let that put you off because it is so funny and we really enjoyed making this one. So here she is, it's Caroline Hirons. We're in a gorgeous, colourful office in West London. There's a big box of Ben's cookies in front of us. I just want to point out, I did not bring them well we've all enjoyed them very much so especially ben who rightly pointed out his name was on the box to, to be fair that's a fair point and i'm with none other than caroline hirons hello mate welcome thanks um there's so many things i wanted to talk to you about today oh god right because i mean i know everyone will just love the opportunity to pick your brains and i'm thinking i'm going to pick your brains on behalf of all the millions of people that are going to want to know the answers to these questions but i thought i'd like to just go back to the beginning of your whole story and journey and then we'll work our way up from there okay so very beginning you know you've always been in beauty you've worked with so many amazing brands you're a trained facialist before the blog was there or you did any of your brand consultancy what was your kind of day-to-day role within beauty um i started as a saturday sunday girl and Lovely. ended up ended up a space nk manager and from over a period of like two years and then from there i met Sylvie Shantakai one day and I, I had already given my notice in to, Clar- um, to Space NK to go to Clarins and I met Sylvie Shantakai and she offered me a job about half an hour later because I think because I'd given my notice in you know you kind of you always tell people what you I had the perfect opportunity to say to a brand what they needed to hear rather than what they wanted to hear yeah so she started bombarding me with all these questions and Harvey Nichols and I was like no why would you do that no you know and she was like I haven't seen you before and I said well you're not going to see me anymore because I've given my notice and I'm going to Clarins and she went oh no 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 you will work for me and that kind of was when I moved from off the shop floor so I was still on the shop floor but on a much higher senior level and so at that point obviously being in Space NK a great place to learn about loads of different brands in one go yeah is this a similar time to when you started to write about beauty oh god no no I, I didn't write about beauty until nearly 10 years later oh my gosh okay no, so I've literally been in the beauty industry since most of the people who are out there talking about it now were born and <laughs> w- at what point did you then think okay I'm going to start a blog you obviously set up what was then beauty mouth around 2010 sort of beginning of the year of 2010 I started a blog called mother's mouth okay that was gonna be just because I would put funny stories on Facebook about the kids which you still do now which very much do amuse me I do in my private one um and they were so funny and got such a good response that I thought these are funny I'll just put them online and then (laughs) it very quickly became apparent that I wasn't comfortable talking about my kids online without their permission. Yeah. And at the time, they were too young to really give me their permission. That was going while I was engaging more and more in Twitter with people who used to work with me in Space NK and all that sort of thing, and makeup artists, really. And the story's sort of old now, but essentially they were all talking about uh, makeup wipes and how they were on offer and Superdrug and all this sort of stuff. And I, I just said, I hope you're using them on your ass and not your yeah. face. And then they were just like, well, shut up, woman. Just blog it, for God's sake. And I thought, well, actually... If I'm already uncomfortable talking about the kids, why don't I just switch it? And so it became Beauty Mouth. But the mother's mouth name originally sort of came to fruition, as it were, because my husband used to say the things that come out of your mother's mouth to me, to the kids (laughs) about me. Um, 
And then, so when I changed, made the transition to Beauty Mouth, it very quickly, I realized it wasn't going to fit because it enabled brands and PRs to dismiss me as just being gobby because it said mouth. And I was like, mm, I think I'm just going to own it and just put my name on it. Because if you give an opinion, I didn't want it the furthest thing away from what I want to do was to be considered any kind of a drama channel or anything like that. Yeah. And I'm so glad I did because now you've got all these like here for the tea and all this sort of stuff. And yeah, and they have their place, quite... which is very American, I think, yeah, very American centric. But I just thought someone once made a joke like, oh, it's appropriate that you're called Beauty Mouse because you're so gobby. And I thought, actually, I'm not. I am opinionated because I have knowledge qualifications and, and experience and stuff. So I very, it was, a, it was a good year or two years, maybe, maybe even a bit longer, but I did change it fairly early on in its days and just took it as my name. And I think it is fair to say that that's why you're opinionated because one of the things that I think really set your blog apart was the cheat sheets. And so, giving people an answer to questions because so many brands at the yeah. time and PRs were just avoiding answering people's questions. So in terms of kind of sharing the knowledge that you'd amassed in all this time, would you say that the cheat sheets were kind of the best way to do that, the quickest the way to do it? The cheat sheets are still the skeleton of the blog. They're um, easily my biggest traffic I'm still. assuming that, sorry, someone listening knows about the cheat sheets. Can you tell us what they are in your own words? Well, Weirdly, I turned the very first blog post I made into a cheat sheet, but only only did it later on. Cheat sheets are what you get in most a lot of industries, I'm sure, but we used to have them in the beauty industry for you'd go on a four-hour boring as hell training, and at the end you get a cheat sheet, which is a one-pager with bullet points. Yeah. And you'd remember, you'd be like, oh, okay, that makes sense, that's easy. So I just thought I'll do them on the blog, because yeah. it was also how my brain worked. My brain works in bullet points. So I just thought... Why not just do, and I, when I told people that's what I was doing, well, actually, this is how I would write a training manual, but I'm going to put them on the blog. Then, yeah, they very quickly became, because now what I have on the blog, I'm kind of different, to I would say, to any other blogger stroke. Oh, I hate the word influencer, but I, no, people I use it. I hate I it. I never know what to I'm a blogger. A, I'm happy to call myself a blogger. Yeah. But I'm different because my blog is still my biggest vehicle. Yeah. People, when brands first come to me, if they've done their research, they should ask me for a blog post because the blog post has five times the traffic of anything else, easily, still. YouTube and Instagram are great. I never take sponsorship for my Twitter because it's just where I rant and I don't want to be, I don't want people to sort of say, well, you can't say anything about vaccines or God knows whatever else. Yeah. Um, but if they've done their research, most brands will ask me for a blog post and an Instagram post, not YouTube. Because YouTube's fine and it has its dedicated audience, but there are people out there who make a living doing YouTube and they do it brilliantly. And it's almost like a movie. Yeah. And my, the reason, and I have a really good audience on YouTube and I have good stats, but the blog is used as an encyclopedia. Yeah, it is. So the blog is people will check in every day and read an old post or they'll search Estee Lauder because they want to buy this product just to see if I've reviewed if you've it. If you've reviewed it. So the blog is the Bible. Everything else is just icing. I think when I first kind of started reading your blog, I remember the first thing I found was the cheat sheets. And I thought that you had really demystified skincare. But when I kind of first got into beauty, all I cared about was maker. Mm. And it's quite difficult to get excited. <laughs> bollocking you on many an occasion. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and look how well that turned oh, out. I love skincare now. now. But, you know, if, if you're new to it, you need things in really bite-sized, digestible yeah. pieces of information. Layman's terms. It needs to be in layman's terms. One of the things I was going to talk to you about was, I was going to say, so you've started your blog, you're doing the cheat sheets, everything's taking off, and it became quite apparent that you'd amassed a very, very loyal following that were really engaged. Like, you know, there's so many people out there doing great things, but I think you have a very different group of followers behind you that are so passionate. Um for me, the turning point that I remember was when you did the Body Taught Daily video with Sam and Nick. Yeah. That, for me, was a moment that after that, I felt like everywhere I looked, everyone just wanted your opinion and expertise on skincare. But also, the reason why I think that video was so powerful, and I'll link it in the show notes, I'd really urge anyone listening to watch it. You spoke to two skincare beginners about skincare in 14 minutes and just 
told us everything we need to know and we haven't tore them apart in the nicest way <laughs> but we haven't got years of your experience to go back and do but actually if you want to start looking after your skin you just want someone to tell you what to do and that's exactly what you did yeah it's good video actually i might watch it um we watched it hung over the other day delighted uh, with ourselves nice i went in the funny thing is like that was the first spike okay. of traffic that was the first noticeable jesus that got traffic and i knew it would be i just really under and sort of underestimated just how much traffic it would get but the good thing about the blog is like i say once people come the traffic stays so my blog doesn't go up and down like a mountain peak it goes like steps it goes yeah. oh noticeable noticeable spike oop noticeable spike and the traffic stays and then i gain more traffic from other big events that's how my blog has worked so that's why i know the readers of the blog and i have people who read the blog who aren't on facebook who aren't on instagram yeah. they don't have youtube older women yes you know my demographic is 25 to 55 and then after that it's older people not kids so yes. i have the golden ticket in terms of pounds and dollars you know that's the market everybody wants um but i that's why i'm so fiercely protective of them i do feel like a gatekeeper but sam and nick's video was really interesting because i was completely green and if you look at it you can see i turned up with what i'd use that day i grabbed emma hardy cleanser which is fine i still talk about that hydraluron hydraluron what Cerazinc. was that tagline that you had with that once a day twice a day until for the you rest die. of my life or something <laughs> and then i used estee lauder the Renutriv cream that they don't even make anymore that's like £400. Now, can you imagine now if I did a video with someone that big and put a £400 cream in it, I would get roasted. But it was just what I'd use that day. And I was like, it's a great cream. It's too expensive. If you can't use it, don't use it. And I was, as I am now, and I'm kind of glad because it, I didn't prep. I don't prep for anything because I think if you don't, if you prep too much, you're not authentic. You, you rein yourself in. Whereas, you know, different on your side of the microphone because you need to prep to know yeah. what to ask. But yeah. in terms of responses, I'd rather just be authentic. You know, whether it does me well or not, we'll see. Can we just remind everyone what the famous line on wipes was in that video, which has stayed with you to this day? Fanny's flights and festivals. The only acceptable places to use wipes. Yeah. But the main thing that came out of that video was ageing is a privilege not everyone gets. Yes, I remember that. And that just came out of the ether. I hadn't even said that. I hadn't said those words in a sentence before that. At the time, I had a very sick grandmother and I was kind of aware of just being slightly older. And it really pains me to see young people pissing their life away. And I don't mean like going out and drinking. I mean constantly looking at themselves in a critical fashion rather yeah. than going... I'm awesome. My tits are a bit saggy, but my bum is wicked and Kylie Kardashian would pay a fortune for it. And it just really pained me to, and I was hyper aware of it because I have a teenage daughter and at the time she was much younger. And so I, I'm not, I never use the term anti-aging in a positive way. I'm not because anti-aging to me is, I, I basically said, what's the alternative? And you could see, yeah. and the good thing is you could see Sam and Nick as I did on that day go, oh, I've never thought of that before. It's very true. Like, I think at the moment and in this whole landscape with social media and everything, those pressures and things are so much worse than possibly ever before. And stuff like that really sticks. My hairdresser said to me the last time I saw him, he was like, you're getting a few greys now, you know. God, you know, what's going He's lovely. He's only winding me up. But I was like, how lovely that you can get grey hair. Mm. Like we went to long our friend's to funeral gray. this year that was 31. Yeah, that, you know, exactly. Yeah, I'll take the grey hair. Yeah, I mean, I won't, I'll dye it, but I totally get your analogy. <laughs> well, this was, this was the main reason. <laughs> Everyone has their thing. This was the main reason I actually really wanted to talk to you. So you've set up the blog, it's doing really well. It's taken off, all going amazing. So you, at some point that you're going to tell me now, had a brainwave for a charity initiative called Give and Maker. Yeah. What was your thought process in setting up Give and Makeup and can you explain it to someone that hasn't heard of it before? Yeah, really easy. I had too much stuff in the house. I had too much stuff in the house. I started the blog in April and because I was connected to the industry, the industry trusted me. Mm. So people started inundating me with product, certain brands. There are certain brands who will never send me product because I'm too outspoken for them and I don't tow the corporate line. That's fine. They can stay with their people who will just sign away their life for anything. But I gen genuinely, all the stuff was coming to the house and we had too much stuff in the house. And it was me, my husband and my girlfriend um, were sitting around and I said, well, I need to give this stuff to people who can actually use it. Yeah. I was, I never, 
I wouldn't was never interested in selling it. I know in the early days a lot of bloggers were selling stuff on eBay and stuff, and I just I number one I wouldn't do it. I didn't think it was ethical. Number two, I couldn't do it because people would be easily be able to trace it to me, and I work in the industry, so yeah. it would be like a bad move. And I said I just need to give it to like a group of women who don't have much. And I can't even remember how, but I ended up on Refuge's website and there was a whole thing about how to donate. And I thought maybe I could just send them a box of stuff. And then it, I contacted them and I started out helping um, a sort of outsourced shelter where they would have women coming in, where they would give them advice. Basically, what they were trying to do is persuade them to leave this situation. Mm. But in a very nice, supportive way rather than just leaving. Because refuge is for uh, women, women and children in domestic, and domestic violence situations, yeah. isn't it? So, and yeah, kind of, it went from there. So I had a quick meeting with them, signed an NDA. And in the early days, and still to this day, but in the early days, it was all donations would come to me. At one point, my brother-in-law let me use his barber shop as an address because Aww. it was that it was that sort of green. We didn't know, you yeah. know, and then it just got bigger and bigger. To the point where refuge, I, I was dropping stuff around to refuge. Um, this is even before we had a car. So this is like 10 years ago. And they would come and pick it up. And then I would take it to the shelters, directly to the shelters. And then eventually they said, we really need to get a PO box to save us all, all of this yeah. time. Um, and that's sort of where it started, really. And I never wanted it to be an official charity. I knew I didn't have the time to do that. Because as soon as you do that, you've got all the financials and it's accountants and money. And I didn't want it to be about raising money because I knew, I know women and men, but in particular women, if I said to you today, Rose, give me 50 quid, you'd say, why would I give you 50 quid? But if I said to you, if you've got any makeup you're not using, It'd you would empty bag. your bag and give it to me. So it just became, it was very clear that women will be very generous with stuff that they no longer need or want or like un unwanted presents. And I was in the early days, a few people did send us a pile of crap and I would just bin it. And just be like, oh, whatever, because people don't get it, you know. Yeah. Um, and you shouldn't be giving something that you wouldn't be happy to receive exa yourself. Exactly. So I kind of put that on the blog as if to say, you know, if you would give it to your best mate, your mum or your sister will take it. Yeah. Um, and then we adapted it over the over the years. I mean, we're 10 years in October and we adapted it over the over the time. Or is it nine years? Nine years, October, 10 years next year. That's right. Um, like they would say, we've just had an influx of sex workers we've rescued this group of sex workers and they have no underwear because they're not allowed to wear underwear rows because it takes the man longer to get to them. Can you, but the stuff I've learned makes oh you just want to be, gives you rage. You have to, I have to come away and go <sighs> drink a lot of tea and not try and take it home. You know? So I just put a thing out on the blog and literally said, they've need had an underwear. influx of sex workers. We need clean new underwear, please. And they were inundated. So things like that we've responded with. Then we did the shoebox campaign for the kids at Christmas. That's always a good one. Although one that. dick did send a vest that said, I love my daddy. That went in the bin. <laughs> People just don't think. No, I think in that don't. case, you would like to think someone just wasn't thinking. I'm not going to give a child that's been taken away from its abusive father a vest that says, I love my daddy. So things like that. But in ultimately, you know, 99% of the stuff that's sent through is... Yeah, exactly that. People would swatch an eyeliner. Bloggers. I went after the bloggers hard. Yeah. All my mates. I was like, you bitches, give me all your shit. So do you take, <laughs> if it's been a tight, like things like that is a prime example for someone in the industry. If they'd use something the tiniest bit to just give it a yeah. look at. Yeah. If they swatched, it was fine. Brilliant. Why would you throw away an eyeliner? You can sharpen it. Um, lipsticks can be shaved. Lip glosses and mascaras are slightly Different harder. territory, yeah. But you know, at one point they said we could really do with some hair dye because obviously it changes a woman's appearance. I was annoyed that I hadn't even thought of it myself. Of course. So things like that, just things you, in a, fortunately, a long-term loving, stable relationship, I've never had to had consider. Had to think about. Not being allowed to wear underwear. I mean, can you imagine the control? Some women, you're going to love this. And I say that in a way to let you know that you are going to hate it and want to oh put your fist through a window. Um, some women, when we, they did a call out for sanitary products, and I said, what type? And they said, anything, tampons, towels, all of it. And they said, we do have women who weren't allowed to use a tampon because their husband, partner, whatever, weren't happy that there was something else inside them. Not joking, not joking. Did you, did you ever So when you meet? do stuff like that, you think, I've got a completely blessed and chilled life. You know, any, every problem I've got is pales in comparison. Did you ever meet any of these women? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've been through, to, yeah, they used to, in the early days, they used to write thank you cards for me and oh letters. And I'd gosh. say to them, please don't, please yeah. don't waste your time, your precious time saying thank you to me. It's fine, you know. 
But yeah, it's quite, it's intense. But what I like is your audience is intense in the best possible way. Yeah. And if you say that you believe in something or something needs support, they will support you. And so I think it's really powerful that you've taken that, you know, power and used it for all these good things. Another thing I know that you do is you're an ambassador for the Eve Appeal, which is slightly more of a sad story because I know that, um, so the Eve Appeal uh, fund research into all of the different types of gynecological Gynecological cancers. And I know that you lost your grandmother to gynecological cancer. Yeah, she had cervical cancer because she was too prudish to go for a smear test, bless her. She was that generation, you know, post-war. Very, I never saw her. Although having said that, that's my dad's mum. My mum's mum was a complete opposite. So really? I think it's the female thing. We would all just walk around the house naked in front of each other. Mum, me, my nan. And Ava's the same now. I have to say to her, babe, your brothers are upstairs. She's like, oh, it's fine. They don't, they don't look. I'm like, for God's sake. She's 17. But we, it's a girl thing. That is a girl thing. It is a girl but thing. it is funny. Like, <laughs> I don't know if you inherit that or not, because I'm very like that. And my mum's always a bit like, would you... Can you stay out of the way, please? But I'd be like, what is the problem? Yeah. You, you've seen me since I was a baby. Why am I any different now that I'm 30 in November? There you go. No, so my dad's mum just wouldn't go for a smear test, wasn't comfortable, and then she had cervical cancer. And eventually it was complications because she was riddled with it, but it started in cervix. And so what do you do with the Eva Pail? I'm kind of an ambassador, just a sort of vocal. I do, I go to their sort of launches and I support their, you know, they do ovarian cancer month and basically like, you know, I'm one of their faces for the Get Lippy campaign. Yes. Anything that kind of I can do to help really. I just, I'm in awe of people who do that for a living. You know, that's what they do for a living their entire life. Same with, I'm the same with nurses and teachers and, you know, people who could earn more money doing something else. And they choose to stay in that job because it's their passion. One of the things that I like about you is that even though, even though yes, predominantly people are going to find you through skincare, right? Yeah. And that's ultimately the bread and butter of what the situation is. People come to you for this extra life advice. Yeah. Like, yes, the Eva Peel want you to be their ambassador because they know everyone will listen to you about go and have your smear test, things like that. Do you do you find that? Do you think that it starts with the skincare and then people end up just wanting you to solve all the problems? For blog readers, yeah, there's a, an element of that. But I'm kind of a mum figure amongst my girlfriends. I don't particularly know why. I'm just, I'm definitely a woman's woman. I you have, are a woman's woman. I have huge amount of female girlfriends that I would go to bat for. I have male friends too, but, you know, I think I've got maybe one straight male friend. They're all gay. <laughs> Literally, yeah, I've been in the beauty industry a long time, but I'm definitely, I would cast myself as a woman's woman. One of the things um, I really remember, speaking of you being a woman's woman, oh God, is, <laughs> do you remember years ago, when I worked at Selfridges in Birmingham, they were launching the beauty workshop mm. and you came and did the PA there which for the record was my little mastermind plan that I'm still delighted about. <laughs> and uh, my sister had just had her first baby. God, that baby was so cute. He was so cute. As you called I'm sure him, he still is. As you called him the little ginger monkey. Oh, he's so ginger. He was tiny. And uh, the health visitor was just saying like, you need to wake him up every few hours and feed him and this, that, the other. And she was exhausted. And she just happened to say this to you. <laughs> And your response was something along the lines of, you tell the health visitor to F off and you feed that baby whenever he needs feeding and that's the end of that. Well, that was it. She slept well, he slept well, he fed well, everything was solved. I'm sorry, but anyone who says wake a sleeping baby is no, out of their fucking mind. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, to be fair, I didn't have the best experience with health visitors. So I'm not anti-health visitor because I know to some people they're an absolute lifeline. But I also think there's a part of me that thinks they should only be sent for first-time mothers because sometimes you get a health visitor who hasn't had kids and you're on kid number three and they're trying to tell you what to do. You know, I mean, with kid number four, my husband was like, you can leave now. Tick the box and get out. Because she came in and I had a C-section with Max and I'll never forget it. I was lying in bed and she came in and she went, oh dear, why did mum... Now, I hate it when they talk about you in the third person as if you're not sitting there. To your face. Yes. Why did mum need a C-section after doing three the real way? Oh, for the love of God. And I just God. looked at Jim and just gave him the eyebrow. You know, when you know someone that I just looked at him as if to say, 
get her away from me or it won't end well. I and mean, went, I'd hate to be on the receiving end of that just eyebrow. Went, yeah, you can leave now. Just tick the box and say you've seen her. It's all good. Get out. Uh, there are so. I mean, I could do a whole podcast series myself on childbirth and mothering, and I think you should. I think everyone would love who, that. People who tell people to put the baby first. No, the mum comes first because if the mum isn't functioning, that baby isn't functioning. I'm sorry. So, and I'm talking about the average woman. I'm not talking about a child with medical needs. Obviously, yeah. just to be clear, it's the internet. You have to make sure. Yeah. But mum comes first, and I, one of the blog posts I did that wasn't even skincare related was about it was something along. I can't even remember. It was, and it's one of my most viewed because it's pregnancy and childbirth tips from someone who's been there a lot. Because I was a nanny before I had the kids. I didn't know so, that. And it literally is, um, you know, baby comes first. No, he doesn't. The mum comes first. Shove that kid into a chair and get your ass in the shower and leave them. They'll be there. Shove a dummy in their gob. Trust me. I've had, I've breastfed, breastfed all of them, but only for like lower amounts of time. He got the most of it. My son's over in the corner. Um, Ben's eating but- his Ben's cookies. <laughs> thinking, please don't talk about breastfeeding me, uh, because he was the first. And I lived with my mother-in-law and I had nothing else to do. So, of course, I lay on the sofa feeding him, watching Oprah, Life O'Reilly. Daniel comes along, everything changes. So uh, my post was very, this this is my only advice. This is what, what I suggest you do. And never wake a sleeping baby. Because you're so opinionated. But I'm not, you see. That's what irritates me. No, not that you irritate me. What you mean is... I'm comfortable with my opinions yes. because the easiest way, and I know this isn't you, Rosie, no, but the easiest way people shut women up is by calling them opinionated. They go, I, I've had this my entire life. It's go nothing on. to do with the blog and in business too. Well, you're very opinionated. I'm like, what you mean is I voiced my opinion and that's made you uncomfortable because you don't feel vo- comfortable of voicing yours. That's exactly what it means. But I take your point. I am opinionated. Yes. I have lots of opinions. A lot of them I keep to myself. Imagine what it's like in my head. But this is what I was going to say. You're so <laughs> vocal about your opinions. Some, probably... most, some of them. The ones that I really give a shit about, I am. So how... But like what I find hysterical is you couldn't care less going into any kind of controversial territory, which I think is a really positive thing. There's so many things I've learned from you about, you know, various topics, whether it's the debate about should you vaccinate your child or not? The answer is yes for anyone listening. You know, how? where do you find the courage from to just absolutely bulldoze these opinions? Because the reason I ask is I know loads of people, definitely me sometimes, just wouldn't have the courage to say it and you have the courage to say what you're thinking every single time. I think it's a very commendable thing. I think it comes with age. You know, I'm 50. I'm not 27. I can't imagine you were a wallflower when you were 27. I wasn't, but I definitely opened my mouth when I could have been quiet. Right. There's an air of me. There's an ADHD air of me where my daughter has it. One of my sons has it. And it definitely stems from the maternal side of the family. That's how I get so much done. I'm like, if you want anything done, just give it to me. I'll do it while I'm doing 27 other things. But the, I mean, I've learned to curtail myself. Believe it or not, this is me, the refined version. I mean, but if I'm really adamant about something and I think something is going to possibly harm someone or it's bullshit and if you, and it's always from a good place, I'm not opinionated. I don't rant about politics, maybe on my private Facebook, but I don't do it on the blog. Yeah. Um, I just think it's messy. You know, I occasionally I've let one slip, but in general, I keep that for private. Yeah. Um, Religion, I get I get told off by right-wing Americans because I take the Lord's name in vain. I don't take the Lord's name in vain. I was raised with a Catholic mother, an Anglican father, and I went to school in a Southern Baptist church. All we heard growing up was, oh, Jesus. So we're very irreverent. Yeah. There's a difference between being irreverent in English and disrespectful in American. So that's been a fun one. You know, if we say Christ on a bike or Jesus take the wheel... Two or, very good phrases. <laughs> exactly. You know, why would you the not want to use come those? Through. The of Irish does it come does. through. Um, and vaccines, I'm pretty hardcore on. Yeah. Um, but everything else, um, and women's rights. Out of interest, just to touch on the vaccines, um, that is a debate that I've seen you be really passionate about for a really long time. Was there a particular moment that you realised that was something that needed a bit of airtime? Uh, yeah, when my son nearly died from mumps two years ago. My 20, now 25-year-old, he was 23, um, and he caught mumps at a music festival, they think, and was in hospital for a week, and it's very well documented online. And and so 
yeah. And they said, did you vaccinate him? And I'm like, yes, I absolutely did. But boys of a certain age, now apparently it's being taken care of much more than it was then. But kids, when they leave school and go to uni, are supposed to get a booster. And a lot of universities now are only accepting kids who can prove they've had a booster. And so we never got that letter. Dan didn't go to university. Both my kids went straight to work. And so even though they all had their MMR, he should have had a booster because obviously his his tolerance was low. So It's really funny you should say that. A friend of ours has just moved to like a different area. And when he registered with the new doctor, they said, we need you to have your booster as soon Good. as possible. And he's 29. Good. Males are particularly susceptible to it. And it was a horrific time and I just don't want anyone else to go through it, you know. I don't think vaccines are perfect. I think if you want to do them one by one and you've got the money to go private, do what you need to do, but vaccinate your kids. And to your point about what you're vocal about, it's always things that help and support other people. And, mm. you know, you have you have also a huge community that you're looking out for. Mm. Um, I recently joined your Facebook group. I'm not really a Facebook person, to be honest. So all these groups are quite new to me. That group, for anyone that doesn't know about Caroline's Facebook group, it's basically a group of people that, you know, enjoy your skincare advice and all of the rest of it. And they talk amongst themselves in the group about skincare, all life kinds advice, of beauty support, discussions, life anything, advice. Yeah. But what's so fascinating about it is... Even though they're there for the skincare, again, the friendships and closeness you see from people in that group is unbelievable. And you've made this huge community of people that really support one another. The amount of times I've seen someone put up like, oh, you know, I'm having a bit of a rough time and I'd really love to try that lipstick. And someone else will anonymously oh, they'll, send they'll, them a parcel. They'll receive like five. Yeah. Um how does that feel knowing that you've created something like that? Oh, it's lovely. And it's also, a, you know, a reflection of our rules in the group because it's, we get a lot of people saying that it's a sort of safe place because they feel like they can say anything and they're not going to get torn apart. Yeah. So the number one rule is don't be a dick. The first time someone shows themselves to be a dick, they're out. So if you're rude to people, you're out. And if you're rude to people and swearing at them, you're also blocked. So we chuck them out. Yeah. And, but, you know, it depends on the severity of whether they were just... And sometimes if they're having a bad day, you can kind of just remove the comment and put them on comment moderation. So we pay attention to the group. That's why it's that's so why nice. it works. Because I think a lot of people just get a Facebook group and think, oh, I've got a Facebook group. It's something else I can add to my stats and get money for. But then they leave it alone. Yeah. And people get torn to shreds in there and nothing happens. No one's looking at it or fixing it. I won't have it. And it's your name at the top my of it. My name at the top of it. People don't like it. They can fuck off and all. <laughs> So speaking of that kind of life advice <laughs> The F off and all Yeah um, Was this supposed to be a PG-13 podcast? Because I not. think you knew what I, you were signing I, up for I knew for what I was signing up me. for funnily enough um, A few friends as I've been you know generally chatting about the podcast And I've said I'm coming to see you um, There's been a few people that have said Will you ask her this? Will you ask her that? So I thought I'm going to do this segment as a part <laughs> oh of the podcast God. Oh Christ, okay Right, first one this, do you know what? I'm just going to be perfectly honest here. This is my question that I thought if I was going to ask, this is what I want to ask. How can I overcome self-doubt? If you are doubting yourself, like what what can you do to get out of that headspace? I don't know. I think it's too hard to say in just a one reply thing. It's It's why are you doubting yourself? What don't you trust about your opinion? Who made you feel like your opinions were invalid? You know, it's all those kind of questions. Everything comes back to, it starts with how you were raised and then it's what work positions you've been in, how you let yourself be treated. You know, I I sort of hold the bar very high in terms of how people treat me, but I also I also treat people the same way. So I think if you're frequently told your opinions are worthless, you're probably going to take it on board. I wasn't. My mum and dad still talk to me as if I'm the best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> and I think we've done that with our kids, but they have a good dose of don't be a dick. You know, be okay. yourself, but don't be a dick. Okay. So I don't know is the answer, Rose. I think a lot of it, again, comes with age. You know, you're you're what, just still in your 20s? Yeah, nearly yeah. 30. Yeah, you'll start to see over the trees, through the trees. I think your 20s, you're absolutely, your mind is just jelly. Yeah, that you're sounds under, about right. You're under all this pressure that you should be doing this, you should be doing that. Actually, what you should be doing is just making mistakes and finding out what you want to do. 
You know, it's very few people who go to university knowing exactly that they want to be a doctor. They yeah. want to be a lawyer. I couldn't even, I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up. And I'm 50. That's how it feels. Yeah. You know, unless you, and I said to my kids, unless you want, you have to have initials after your name. Don't expect me to pay for your university. You can either put yourself through it and get a job. But I'm not paying for you to doss around for two, three years. I'm the exact opposite of the American dream. You know, why should I put myself through 20 to 30 to 40 grand's worth of debt for a kid who can barely be bothered to turn up to lectures just so they can DOS for a few years? You know, it's if, you, if, you, if you're that passionate about going to university, you can get a job and put yourself through it. And it sounds really hard, but my kids were like, oh, I don't know what I want to do. And I'm like, well, decide that. You yeah. can always go back to school. Go to work, get a job. If you decide to go back to school and you know what you want to do, if you want to be a doctor, I will support you. If you're going to study the history of IT... how is that going to benefit me or you like you know if you need initials after your surname and you're passionate and that's what you want to do an accountant lawyer doctor nurse like teacher absolutely you have to go to uni obviously if you're not sure then doss about i don't mind you dossing about but you know get a job your 20s you're supposed to make mistakes you're supposed to be a bit like oh i don't know what am i doing then you hit your 30s and you think oh this is getting a bit easier now then you hit your 40s and you think oh i'm striding now and the older you get, the closer you get to 50, the more, and you do get, a, you know, like Helen Mirren said, when she turned 70, someone said, do you have any regrets? And she said, yes, I wish I'd told more people to fuck off. I saw that. That was very good. And I know exactly how she feels. And thankfully, I got it in my head 20 years <laughs> earlier than she did. <laughs> right. How can I move on from a boy that broke my heart? Ugh, I can't deal with this. I'm sorry. But this is, I, I'm thinking of this one particular person that's given me this question and... You I won't name to, her, but she's going to love this segment. You have I to told, find your self-esteem. I shared her story with you earlier mm. on, didn't I? Uh, a, a number of things, like how did he break your heart? You know, someone can break your heart by passing away. This, no, That's this is different. a bad news person yeah. that's so been you need shady. to kick him to the curb, him and all of his ugly-ass friends, all of them. Delete the number from your phone so you can't drunk text him and move the fuck on. If they're not treating you, go where you're celebrated, not tolerated. They need to treat you the way you deserve to be treated. And if they're not, they also can fuck off. That's what I do say to my 17-year-old daughter too. <laughs> it's good advice. The first sign of disrespect and I'm like, yeah, you need to get rid. She's like, oh, he's just, I'm like, no, he's being rude. I'm sorry. No, not to me. Get out. Does she tell you? Yeah. That's very good. Yeah. We're quite close in that way. One last question in this series. <laughs> I sound so harsh. No, I love it. <laughs> I'm really not harsh at all. I just have a low level of tolerance but for that's bullshit. Great. That's a great thing, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? If you're not going to accept any nonsense, then you're never going to have to deal with it. Yeah, it's and a it's great not, way it's to just, be. It's also, if people know where they stand, they'll either pull up or move out. Yeah. You know, if you say to someone, I mean, there's loads of quotes. You know, when you're raised watching Oprah... Everything that's uh, everything out of my well. everything out of my mouth is a bumper sticker. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Maya Angelou. When people show you how they, who who they are, believe them. You know, if you're going on a first date with someone, and he says, "Oh, you don't really want to be with me. I'm a bit of a drunk." He's literally telling you he's a drunk. <laughs> Get up and leave yeah. and don't pay. Get out. You know, oh, I don't, you don't want to be with me. I'm kind of I'm still trying to get over my ex girlfriend. All right, then. he's telling you he's hooked up on someone else. Get the fuck out of town. You know, people will generally give you signs of you know how they're going to treat you in the future and it's up to you whether you accept it or not so getting over the broken heart you'd, I'd give you one night of crying and drunk and then you've got to get your shit together okay life's too short maybe I'll facilitate that with her why are you obsessing then... about someone who is not thinking about you that's the question why are you obsessed about someone who is not giving you the time of day move on there are better pastures out there okay and one last question <laughs> I feel like I'm Dr. Ruth or something. This is brilliant. I feel like we're going to be back in this office every month. Another batch of questions. Um, the last one, because people are so in awe of your career, how can I find the courage to leave my job and pursue something I enjoy? Uh, I think it depends on your current home situation. Yeah. If you live at home, you should absolutely do whatever you want to do. Yeah. While you can. While you have a when people say I can't wait to leave home, I'm like, dude, stay there as long as you can. I absolutely stayed there stay as long there. as I could. It was hysterical. God. I mean when they leave they come back every day anyway, especially my lot. But you know, stay there as long as you can and go out and have a look and see what you want to do and all that sort of stuff. I think that's the you know the number one. If you're in a financial difficulties or if you are financially responsible for people 
and you're going to have to keep bills being paid, then yes, there is an element of how do you go from one to the other. I went to night school in the early days of having the boys to learn facial, you know, facials and beauty therapy because I knew I would still have to work full time. So I was working full time. Jim was working full time. And then I would leave my full time job and go to night school doing facials because I knew if I wanted to be taken seriously, I'd need the piece of paper. And God knows that turned out to be the right decision. Wow. Um, So, hmm? Just said like, wow. I thought you said why. I was like, yeah. Um, So, but absolutely you should do that. You know, I'm in the best position. I do what I'm passionate about and it turned into a job. Yeah. But this is not an overnight success. I've been in retail for 35 years this year, literally. And I really like that because I think that, you know, sometimes people assume that this is like a magic thing that you're going to get overnight. Another thing I remember you saying about um, blogging and things like that, I think it was on a BBC video. Hmm. You said if this job was easy, everyone would be doing it. Yeah, I did. And it looks great, but it's a very... It's a very difficult it's 20, job. It's 24-7. Yeah. And I have numerous jobs, so I blog, but I still I still consult for the industry. So it's, you know, I think if you're not afraid of hard work, then you'll be fine. Yeah. Work ethic is probably the best and the worst thing I inherited from my parents. They had a psychotic work <laughs> ethic. You know, it, it would be like, I don't remember my dad ever taking a sick day. Not once. You know, my mum would get the train into into town to go to her job and then uh, the bus into town to her job and then the bus home and then start dinner for us at like seven just you know you work hard and what when I hear people complaining about how how hard their work is when they have the internet at their hands and email I think you have absolutely no effing clue what you're doing oh how lucky you are really yeah they have absolutely no idea how lucky they are you know because the modern age we're in now is the best time to be alive if you think about communication and what's available to anyone out there, some person who's just left school who doesn't want to go to university or can't afford to go to university because they're from a poorer working class family can start their own online business today. And if they've got a good idea and enough gumption, they could become hugely successful. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's, it's definitely the best time to be alive. And I say that as someone who's been alive a lot longer than a lot of people who might listen to this. (laughs) But I think if you combine that with a work ethic that a lot of people don't have these days, they want everything handed to them. And I don't want to be a cliche and I do not put young people down. It's that middle area. They're sort of, I've left school, all my mates are either getting married or they've got better jobs and you're resentful rather than seeing what you can do to fix, your, fix it for yourself. So I'm not talking about teenagers it's, and I'm not, I'm not even knocking millennials. I know people like to, but my generation and the generation above me created millennials. So how stupid are you to, you know, knock it? It's just, it makes yeah. no sense to me to just knock a whole demographic of people. But I think work ethic is what separates the people who do well from the people who are just an easy rider. And because you are so immersed in lots of different parts of the beauty industry, who stands out to you as making a positive change? Brands, people? Well, I think in terms of uh, longevity, Mac were one of the first brands I remember when they launched Viva Glam, I was on counter. Oh. Not a Mac counter, but I was in store. I love Mac. I couldn't agree more. I think they're so Yeah, I think Mac great. have raised a fortune. Um, I do wish it would become, the whole industry would become less breast cancer centric. Okay. And look at other cancers. Working with the Eve Appeal has really opened my eyes to how much money goes towards breast cancer. Right. When actually people are more likely to be killed by gynecological cancers, but they're not attractive cancers. Breasts are, are manageable for people. But if you're talking about a vulva or ovaries or a cervix or a vagina, people suddenly get very prudish, as I am very well aware of. Yeah. So I do wish that they would become, as an industry, a bit more focused on other women's cancers. And, and men's, but, you know, predominantly it's a female industry, the yeah. one that we're in. Um, and then honestly, I don't know. I think, I think it's difficult because I'm, I am at best sceptical and at my worst, very cynical. So when I see brands doing something, I think, yeah, but how much is really going to the brand? How much is really going to the charity? How much... I know what you mean. We uh, do hear things, don't we? Yeah, and I, I hear a lot. Yeah. So, for example, one of the brands that we are currently consulting with, a herbivore, I love Herbivore. They're herbivore, another episode. Herbivore for me would be the standout brand at the moment in terms of making a change. They yeah. are based in Seattle. They are a 
completely inclusive workforce for LGBTQIA, I believe yes. is where we are now. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's known as a safe environment for trans people. Quite yeah. a lot of their workers are trans people. Um, they donate money directly from each. Um, so, for example, Prism is one of their products. And I think it's a dollar. I could be wrong, so I'd have to check the facts. But a dollar of that from every bottle sold goes to a LGBT charity. Yeah. So they walk the walk. Yeah. They are very, you know, you get uh, your birthday off. Little things that make a big difference in taking care of your staff. You know, you get a birthday off. That's really nice. Yeah. There's loads like that. They are very, it's people first, product second. Not in terms of making the product. What I mean is the business comes second after the people. And speaking of product, I don't think we could have a podcast without you, without asking, are we going to see a skincare line from you ever? Maybe. Watch this space. Lovely. (laughs) Everyone asks me that, Rose. Everyone. Well, I hope if I just keep bringing the Ben's cookies, I might get the insider scoop on it one day. (laughs) Um, The parting words I wanted us to really go out with from you, Caroline, was I think among everything, people look to you as someone that's a source of like gumption and power in a difficult situation. What parting words of advice would you have for anyone in a difficult situation who needs to just find the confidence to speak their truth and get out of it? Oh, I don't know. It's really hard because I've been in the situation where you feel like you can't speak your truth, you know. And I don't think it's that easy for everyone because not everyone has a safety blanket or a security blanket. I always had a security blanket. I always knew that if everything went tits up in London, I can move back to my mum's house up north. What advice would you give to someone that can't necessarily speak their truth, but to just keep that inner strength and calm? I don't know. Genuinely. I think it comes with age. I think it comes with, like I say, having, I recognise that I've always had the security. Not financially. You know, we, up until maybe 10 nine ten years ago we were not I wouldn't say we didn't have a pot to piss in as you would say but we were not by any means anywhere near comfortable we would regularly monthly borrow money off our parentals yeah um, and pay it back the next month constantly robbing Peter to pay Paul so I understand the lack of financial security but and again it sounds very Oprah-ish but when you do speak your truth it's very comfortable because if you own it, you, no one can tell you that it's irrelevant or different or that's not what your truth is because you know it is. I could sit here and give you any kind of snippet of a one-liner, but the truth is it comes with experience and it comes with, you know, I would definitely say a few things like that. Go where you're celebrated, not tolerated, you know, and that includes your workplace. If you're working for an arsehole, tell them they're an arsehole and get another job. This whole thing of having to stay in one job and the fear, the fear I never had. I never had the fear of authority. I despise authority in a bad way. I mean, not, I'm not talking about police or the laws or the judicial system or anything yeah. like that. I mean, corporate okay. authority. So when people used to say, oh, you've got to have your appraisal, I would think, who the fuck is this person who's 10 years younger <laughs> than me to give me an appraisal? And I would literally think, fuck you. But if I respect someone then I'll listen to anything they say. You know, if I respect someone, if I can see that that person is ethical, treats people well. You know, I remember seeing George Clooney being interviewed and he said if he was going to go for big film roles, he will go out to dinner with the, whoever would be the producers or directors and watch how how they behave with the waiting staff. So if they're all, we love you, George, we love you, George. And then when the waiting staff come over, they're like, where's my goddamn soup? He wouldn't work with them. And that's exactly what I'm like. How you treat other people is what I'm watching. And that, to be honest, as the bottom line, is why I've left every corporate job I ever had. They either treated me badly or they were treating other people badly and they wanted me to follow that business model and I would never do it. And so I would just be like, I'm sorry, I think you treat people like shit and I'm not going to do it. See ya. And that's why I left a lot of jobs. That's eventually why I consulted. Because I just got the confidence to think, actually, all these people are making money and they don't know what they're doing. So I can help them make more money by telling them what they need to know, not what they want to hear. And that's been my biggest, that's the nux of what I do in a nutshell, really. I mean, it's the crux rather. That's literally telling people what they need to hear and not what they want to hear on the blog and in my work life has been the, and that's why I have a strong marriage. Jim does that to me. He'll say, you've been an absolute asshole. And I'll be like, how dare you? But I'll say it to him too. If you're going to dish it, you have to take it. And so, but 
if you're coming at me, come at me with facts. Don't come at me with your opinion on X, Y, Z, or, well, I Googled vaccines and I, I've heard that they're really bad. Yeah. Please. That's when I'm like, whatever, I'm not even interested in your opinion. I'm just not. I'm not interested in the opinion of a white man in America who wants to stop a woman having an abortion. He can get under the, get under a bus and in the sea, as far as I'm concerned. I have a long list of fuck you people. I'm so sorry, but I do. And that's the healthiest way to live. Well, maybe... Not obsess. Not obsess about what people are thinking of you because it's not a reflection of you. It's a reflection of them. You know? I know that my character and how I am makes a lot of people uncomfortable. But it's not that they hate me and they're uncomfortable with me. I, I can see that it's because they don't have the same confidence. Yeah. But they push it to me. That's fine. I don't mind. It's not, it's not my issue. I can't change it for them. I would hope that they would learn to live their truth in the way that I do in their own lives. Surely that's what you want for everyone. Well, speaking of someone you just mentioned there, I know that Jim has made dinner for you this evening. <laughs> chicken curry. He's made chicken curry. <laughs> and I feel like that's the perfect place to end <laughs> Because we just want to digest all of those little uh, pieces of wisdom. Bumper stickers. I think bumper you'll find we call them in our family. Do you always speak in bumper stickers? I can't even remember what film it's from. It's from a film and we say it all the time. We're a very media-centric family. So everything is film quotes, music, everything. I mean, this sounds like a household I'd like to visit, <laughs> quite frankly. Um, Caroline, thank you so much. Thanks for that having me. Been... I'm sorry for the bad language. That's I mean, I'm not, no, but I feel like I should all. say it. I live a bit of bad language, to be honest. Um I actually, I've been really looking forward to this one because I knew it was going to be a laugh, but I've actually enjoyed it even more than I thought I would. Oh, thanks, love. Tell your friend to get over it and make a big fuck off list like I do. Well, I think I'm actually going to have you voice note <laughs> now. So we'll come off the mic and we'll get on the phone. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you loved hearing from Caroline as much as I did. Next week, I'm going to be talking to Longcom and the National Literacy Trust about their Write Her Future initiative. So this is a project that aims to tackle illiteracy and support young women in disadvantaged communities across the UK. If you liked this episode, I'd love to hear from you. Please reach out on Instagram at MixedGemsBeauty or just leave a review on the podcast platform that you're listening on. It would be really helpful. Thank you so much and I'll speak to you next time.